Welcome to the Going Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Zinn. I'm a mother, an author, and an entrepreneur who is committed to and curious about living a life that is always evolving. This is a lifestyle podcast covering health, both body and mind, self-care, why it is a necessity and how tough it can be to master, entrepreneurship, its ups and downs, cultural disruption, and the topics we sometimes avoid, as well as love, sex, friendship, and more. This podcast is a place and a community for people who are willing to do the hard work of growth, who want the tools and inspiration to step into it, and who want to grow each and every day of their lives. I interview movement makers, leaders, survivors, writers, and founders. Their stories move me and will move you to cultivate more strength and clarity during every step of your day. Enjoy today's episode and thanks for spending time with me at this very special place in my life over here at the Going Beyond podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast today. I'm so happy that you're here. This is me, Randy, your host. Super excited to have a meaningful discussion today with hands down one of my favorite people. Yep. (laughs) That's all I have to say. And we're done. No, just kidding. (laughs) We're obviously here together already. You're like, who am I on with? Okay. So I'm here with Allie Kramer, who has many titles in my life. She is one of actually my first yoga instructors, one of my very first teachers. She made a huge impact on my life there. We'll talk about that later. Later became one of my dear friends and then kind of became my sister. So (laughs) it all happened over the course of time. It's all been a very beautiful experience. But Allie Kramer, she does many things. And what's interesting is that the bio that she sent me for me to introduce her is very short. So what's going to happen is I'm going to tell you what she does. And then we're going to get to talking because the talking part is where everything she is is going to come out. So those of you who are listening right now know that Allie is already here. You're hearing her laugh. (laughs) You will hear that a lot. We're going to hear a lot of laughter, I think. So, okay. Allie Kramer lives here in New York City. She's the director of the Ayurveda program at Laughing Lotus Yoga Center. And you're going to be learning a lot about the basic concepts of Ayurveda today in this conversation. She is the author of the new book. Um, As we're recording this, it launched yesterday. When you're hearing this, it probably will be a few months old. So we're going to already see the magic that this book is having in the world. Um, This book is called Modern Ayurveda, Rituals, Recipes, and Remedies for Balance. She leads workshops, trainings, and retreats nationally and internationally. She has a beautiful website, AllieKramer.com. And I don't even know where to begin on this one, but Allie is like my go-to for about everything in relationship to my health, my relationships, my state of mind, like how I pull my shit together basically. So... And Allie and I also do a lot of laughing, as you can already see. (laughs) We have lots of what we call couch dates, where after a long days of work, usually Allie comes and she hangs with my kids, who are her little niece and nephew, and we play and we talk and we play with Allie's dog, Marty, and we usually do essential oils. (laughs) (laughs) 
So there's a lot that goes on. And when Allie and I can actually leave the house and like walk around and have a meal out and talk and be in like the real world, we feel like it's really special. And it is. So Allie, there's like so many ways that we could like talk about what you mean to me, but that will come out in the discussion. I want to welcome you to the podcast. It's something we've talked about for a long time, but like finally you're here and we get to talk like in a way that other people hear us, which we think should be very entertaining. (laughs) And will be informative. And thank you for having me on. I'm so honored to be here. And so proud of you for what you've created here. And I just think it's such an important and valuable resource for everyone today. So thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's like, it's very interesting because I think, you know, Ali and I originally connected in this space of community at Laughing Lotus. And we know kind of what this community of yoga and health and wellness and that commitment to betterment and growth, um, like how that can just be such a strong foundation to the relationships that come out of it. So it's kind of cool that like, you know, our relationship kind of started in that space. And then I think it kind of is like this tree that just blossoms because so many of the things that we talk about and we share come from that mutual connection and desire to constantly grow and better ourselves. And yet we have like just sort of our own kind of cool relationship that seems to have also branched off from that. So yeah, anyway, Ayurveda... We're going to talk about it today. I really want our listeners to come away from this conversation understanding what it is, understanding how it can serve them in their life. What I think you're so incredibly brilliant at is teaching the most foundational, you know, kind of basic sense of what it is. So listening in today, you guys are all going to get a chance to really get a sense of this ancient science and where you fit into it, because that's the cool part, you know, like you learn what it is Mm -hmm. and then you learn, wait, how am I connected to these concepts? So it can be like almost like a little treasure chest of like understanding how you, you know, what you have that fits into these ideas. So we're going to talk about that. But before we get into Ayurveda and into your book, why don't you share, Ali, like a little bit about your history and kind of like your journey of being, not that I know anything about your story, but like being (laughs) a 16-year-old chica who like upped and moved to New York to be a dancer. And like, how did you end up being this like expert in yoga and Ayurveda? Like, let's start there. Okay. So I was born and raised in Westport, Connecticut, which was not too far from the city. And as a child, I've always been a very determined person. I've always been somebody who likes to go deep with whatever it is that I take on. And I think pretty much from the age of like four, I was saying, well, I'm going to be a professional dancer. And interestingly enough, I also said I wanted to be a writer. So it's very interesting, I think, also how we end up in certain places in our life. And sometimes it can feel like, okay, how did we get here? But if we actually take a moment and look back, we see all the little steps along the way. Like two weeks ago, I was teaching a Bryant Park class and I happened to be at my dad's and I found a picture of me standing on my head when I was like six years old. And so I posted that. And so, you know, you think about there's all these unrelated things in your life. And like when I was a child, I loved Greek mythology. I was like the kid who loved the mythology and 
then later on when I got into yoga and there were stories of Ganesh and there were stories of Shiva, it all resonated with me. I've always loved storytelling. That's always been just such a beautiful way, I think, to learn is through story and the art of storytelling. And so that's something that's been very important to me and has been a thread for me as well. So let me stick to what the story is here and say, I wanted to be a dancer. I moved to New York when I was 16, went on scholarship at a dance studio and worked in a nightclub at night. And New York was a very different place then. And it was dangerous and grungy and you know, the place that I have my apartment now that I love so much, I'm in Hell's Kitchen. And when I was dancing, you wouldn't have gone, like, I would never have walked through Hell's Kitchen. And now it's, you know, restaurants and little boutiques and lots of Northern Chelsea boys with their dogs. And <laughs> right. Well, just the fact that it was called Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And which is, you know, it just shows how everything is evolving and and changing constantly. And that's going to tie into Ayurveda as well. So long story short, I had a great career as a professional dancer. I traveled the world. I did really fun, glamorous jobs. I did really not fun, not glamorous jobs, met some amazing people. And, you know, initially when I was younger, Dancers were not taught anything about self-care. There wasn't the same respect, I would say, and wisdom about the body that I do think dancers get more of now. And as a result, I had injuries. And not only did I have injuries, but because I was traveling so much and I was going from job to job to job to job all the time, you know, my body was starting to break down. My mind was definitely not grounded. And someone along the way suggested, why don't you start taking yoga? And the yoga world was very different in the 1990s than it is now too. And I started in a very traditional place on the Upper West Side called Integral Yoga. And we all had towels instead of mats. And there was a lot of breathing and some chanting and then some physical postures, but nothing like what I do now. And so then, you know, going on, I went to other dance studios and all of that. And then when I found vinyasa, it stuck because it seemed to me to be a blending of what I would call like my past life and my present life. And I think that that's what's so amazing about yoga these days also is that we'll get into this more with Ayurveda, but yoga doesn't have to be one size fits all either. There can be a different style of yoga that resonates with somebody and it doesn't resonate with somebody else. So, you know, that's one thing that, and I would love to just say this to your listeners that like, if you go to a yoga class and you don't like it, try a different yoga class, you know, try a different teacher because the teacher is out there for you. It's just a question of finding them. I would also add, I mean, because I think, and this probably could be a whole other podcast episode. Maybe this will be for another one at another time. I remember, you know, you've repeated over the years many times, like, you know, practice yoga so that you can practice when you're 90. And I think about that now, especially that I'm about to turn 40 and your practice does change. 
I've never been quite as adventurous a yogi as certainly other people who around me who will be like on their hands and their heads half their practice. I've always had and at least my feet and my hands on the ground more. But mm-hmm. my body wants different things now. And it wants to move a little slower and it wants to pay attention to where things are being aligned. And what that means is that some classes that used to be fun and interesting don't feel good to me anymore. But Mm -hmm. other classes and other teachers speak to me in the most massive ways. So it's also very Ayurveda, like what changes am I going through and where does my practice fit who I am now and enjoying that journey. Exactly. And that's something that yoga and Ayurveda have completely in common, which is why they're called sister sciences. So with all of yoga practice, like you said, I think it can serve, we have different needs at different times. So our practice needs to shift. And it can be medicine for whatever's going on in our lives. If we come to it with that perspective, as opposed to just saying like, oh, this is just another thing on my to do list, right? Because sometimes I think self care can feel like that. And so how do we also keep it in the perspective of Instead of like, this is something that I have to do, that this is a gift that I get to give myself. And especially, I think, you know, you as a mom of two and me with the demands on my schedule and my parents and my dog and everything else, time is one of our most valuable resources. So all this to say, I do think that we have to prioritize this stuff and it doesn't have to look one way and it should change as we change and our needs change. And that could be year to year, decade to decade, it could even be day to day. And that's the message that I've always loved about Ayurveda, that through awareness, we can figure out and make a plan and to make better choices for what's needed in the moment. What has being a teacher taught you? Oh my goodness. It's interesting because I'm called the teacher when I walk into the studio to teach yoga. I'm called the teacher and yet I learned so much through it. I learn, hopefully, how to be a better communicator because if I'm not communicating well, then the class becomes chaos. I learn what works and what doesn't and how to be observant of that in the moment and make shifts and adjustments. And so I always come in, and this is, I think this has a lot to do with my approach to life as well. I have a plan, and then I have to be willing to scrap it at any given moment. And I never thought about it that way before, but I really do think that that influences the way that I live my life. You know, have a decided plan, have a decided goal, have some concrete ideas of what we want to see happen and then be ready for anything. In the same, you know, it's the old, when you make a plan, God laughs thing, you know? So being a teacher, hopefully a better communicator, the value of awareness being in the moment and being willing to adjust without letting my ego get into it without me going, well, but I had this great plan and I want to see it through whether that's the right thing or not. And being a teacher has given me the honor of intimacy with my students. And that's a huge honor. As one of your students, like I can say that that above all, I think is one of your incredible gifts. And I think bleeds right into why the teaching of Ayurveda has become so powerful for you because you see the people in your room and on their mats. And 
it happens through the teaching. It happens through the communications, even like post and pre-class. It happens in, you know, your Dharma talk, like somehow I can't explain it, but like nine times out of 10 in a class, like whatever you're saying is like what I had to hear that day. Like it just seems to click, but I don't think that's by accident. I think that there is an in-tuneness that happens for individuals who, you know, their purpose on the planet is to teach and to heal. So let's take that toward Ayurveda because I can't help but get personal when I'm talking to you. It's like, that's the stuff. Okay. So you've been teaching yoga for a long time. And then all of a sudden you start to really learn, deeply learn and become even more curious. Because I remember that tipping point for you where you started really, really training more in Ayurveda. And it started to be like, oh yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And you got really involved. Like what made so much sense? Great question. Ayurveda, we had one day in yoga school. We had just one day of it. And I was intrigued. I clearly didn't know really what was going on, but the concept intrigued me because so much of Ayurveda is about following our natural instincts. And yet, even that can get confusing because sometimes what everyone is telling us can be very influential and we can start to take that on as our own voice. You know, if everyone around us is following the keto diet, for instance, just to use a very simple example, if everyone around us is using the keto diet and we start using it and it doesn't feel good to us, but there's something in our heads that's going, well, you know, everybody's saying that this is the way and everybody's saying how great this is. Maybe I'm wrong. So what resonates with me about Ayurveda is that we get to not talk ourselves out of things, meaning just because someone else says it's good. You know what it is? It's a way of studying ourselves. It's a way of holding a mirror up to ourselves and getting more real about what makes us feel balanced. What are the things in our lives that need to become non-negotiable? Meaning, you know, there's a lot of things that can fall by the wayside in a modern life, in a modern busy life. And I'm going to say in women's lives, because Women can do everything and anything now, and something is going to give somewhere, right? And because I do think that women are natural givers and have a natural nurturing instinct, I do think that can turn into, let me take care of everybody but myself, you know? So Ayurveda stresses self-care as a way, literally as a service of well, let's stay healthy so that we can do the work that we're meant to do in the world. Because, and thank you for saying like that it's my path because I do feel that way that resonates deeply with me that this is what I'm supposed to do. And there are other yoga teachers. I remember having a conversation once with another yoga teacher and she said, so Allie, like, what is the next thing for you? Like, what are you going to, like, she was basically saying like, what are you going to be when you're not after being a yoga teacher? And I was like, I love what I do, you know, like every day that I get to go and teach yoga with an Ayurvedic perspective, every day that I get to meet with my Ayurveda clients and get to hear their stories that resonate with me because there's always going to be common ground with people. We're also, we all do have connections, even though our lives look different. Our backgrounds look different. Our bodies look different. Our minds think differently. There's still common ground that we can find. And Ayurveda really stresses that. 
And there's a connection and connections with people matter. And that's another reason why I think this podcast is such a beautiful thing. And the community that you've created is such a beautiful thing because it builds communication and connection and truly feeling like we have a place that has, we have common ground with people. Did I answer the question? I'm not sure if I answered the question. You did. You absolutely did. So why don't you put on like the hat you put on when you do like an intro to Ayurveda class and just give us like over the next couple of minutes, a brief explanation of like the major you know principles of Ayurveda, like what is involved, what is studied, and then like however you want to segue a little bit into the doshas, like give us a sense of the picture. Yeah. So I'll start from the very beginning. The word Ayurveda can be broken down into two different words, Ayur and Veda. And Veda means science and Ayur means life. So Ayurveda translates into the science of life. It was codified approximately four to 5,000 years ago in a bunch of different texts. And there were various branches of Ayurveda. There was dentistry, there was prenatal and postnatal, there was geriatrics, there was pediatrics, there was herbal medicine, herbal remedies. It was a very complex and complete system of medicine four to 5,000 years ago. So even though it is called the sister science to yoga, it actually predates the yoga philosophy. It came first. So when we think of yoga as being something that not originated, but one of the most ancient ideas about balance, Ayurveda is even more ancient than that. And the reason I mention that is because you know, I took a seminar with a very famous and well-respected elder in the yoga community named Rod Stryker. And he said, when something stays around for four to 5,000 years, there's truth in it. And so that's one thing that I love to mention about Ayurveda is that in taking on this science in any way in our lives, it's connecting us to this tremendous lineage of experimentation that has proven that it works. All right. So the whole system is based on the elements and the elements are earth, water, fire, wind, and ether. And what is said in Ayurveda is that everything that we see, everything that is manifest, everything that is tangible, that is audible, that we can taste, that we can smell, everything that's manifest is made up of these different elements. The only thing that is not made up of elements is God, the divine, cosmic consciousness, universal intelligence, whatever the word is, or the way that we think about that is the only unmanifested thing. And it's the only thing that is not made up of elements. So these elements are constantly in a state of flux. I mean, right now it's September and the day today is beautiful. There's sun in the sky and that's the fire and there's wind in the trees and that's the wind and there's dryness because there's wind and we're in the city. So, you know, the earth element can be an issue for us in the city it's something that we need to bring in because there it's not the kind of place where we can go out and like dig our toes in the dirt and smell the smell of the trees and that's why grounding practices are so important to us in the city i'll get more into that later on so everything is built around these five different elements and basically it says whatever you inherently have a lot of 
do the opposite and that will balance you out. And it's the same concept in Chinese medicine of yin and yang. So that symbol that we've seen that's white, but it's got a spot of black. And then to complete the circle, it's black with a spot of white. And Ayurveda is very similar in its ideology. It came up around the same time as Chinese medicine. So there are some crossovers there. So not only does the weather have what's called dosha, which is something that is made up of these elements, but the food we eat has dosha, our bodies have dosha, our minds have dosha. For instance, somebody with a quick, quick mind that jumps from subject to subject to subject, it would be said that that person has a little bit more wind in their mind, as opposed to somebody who gets very focused on one idea and just kind of like stays there. That would be somebody that would be said to have more fire in them, more fire in their mind, like that directness. And this is what I'm working on. And this is what I'm doing right now. And then somebody who might approach their work with like, oh, okay, well, I'm not really thinking of right now. I'm just going to keep chugging away at it for the long term. That's a mind that might have more earth to it. And that's sort of the Ayurvedic perspective that I look on. But how that can serve us is knowing our bodies and our minds and our habits well, and then getting honest, getting honest with ourselves to say, okay, how does this fit into the Ayurvedic paradigm? You know, what do I naturally have and how can I balance that out? So I think with the theories, what's beautiful is that it makes a lot of sense. The example that I always use when I'm teaching is say you live in New York city and you wake up on a freezing late January morning and you want to get breakfast and you think to yourself, okay, well, I've heard that green juice is really good for me. And isn't that what I should be having for breakfast is like some big green juice because some website or some article or some neighbor said that that was the way to go. It's very healthy. But Ayurveda would actually say that's not the best choice because what's going on in the world is already cold and wet so why not add something that's more heating? Why not add something that feels a bit more grounding in your belly, more warming in your belly? So why not have something like oatmeal? And then if you want to add some protein, you can put some chopped nuts on it and a big warm cup of spicy tea with maybe a little bit of coconut milk to get some good fats in you. So a lot of it is just having the courage to listen to the inner voice that says, but it's really cold out and I don't want cold green juice today. It just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And when you think about every season and what's sort of typical, and it really makes a lot of sense. Summertime, like mm. watermelon and cucumbers and mint and all of those cooling things that we actually crave because we're trying to cool down. And you've always said, like, if you want to know what you should eat, go to the farmer's market, like see what's yeah. growing. I mean, it's funny over the years, the things that you've said that are so simple and practical and almost obvious, but we just don't always pay attention to. I mean, yeah. I really live my life by those methods. And those are the things that I consider more of like the daily practices, let alone the things that you pay attention to when there's actually something truly off balance in your body. Yeah. And that's another beautiful thing about Ayurveda is that one of my teachers used to say, it's the art of living in harmony with our surroundings. And most of holistic medicine works on the defense. 
meaning what small daily actions can we take on a regular basis in order to make sure that we don't get to the point where the dis-ease is so pronounced, strong, you know, takes us out of our lives. So Ayurveda recognizes different stages of disease. And it would be like if you get into a period of very, very intense work and you've got a new project and you're all excited about it and you're working much longer hours than usual. And so your meals start to get a little erratic or you get less sleep or you're drinking a little bit more coffee and you have this period of like, two and a half weeks or something like that. And at the end of it, the project is complete. It's a big giant success. And the next day you wake up and you have the flu. And so, you know, I can think, oh, okay, well, somewhere along the line, I picked up a germ or something like that. And now it's presenting itself because my body has actually calmed down. But Ayurveda would say, no, you were getting sick the whole time because the cumulative effects of ignoring the body's needs for two and a half weeks finally said like, Hey, you got to pay attention to this. So Ayurveda says, okay, the first two nights where you jumped from getting seven hours of sleep to five hours of sleep, you were exhausted. And so exhaustion would be the first phase of the dis-ease. And then, you know, the meals get erratic and then you eat something you know, late at night, maybe, and you get a little bit of indigestion or gas or heartburn or whatever it is, and you're feeling exhausted. And that's the second stage of the dis-ease. So in the same way, I think we can work on our wellness with the approach that even little things done consistently are going to keep us well. Ayurveda partners with Western medicine completely. And I never, ever in my consultations will say like, go off this medication or, you know, don't go to your doctor or come to me. I always say like, when was your last physical? When was your last dentist appointment? When was your last gynecologist appointment? And I can partner with you on whatever it is that you're working on in your life and try to keep us healthy by going, okay, what's really going on in my life and what little things can I do? Because what I firmly believe in is that there's always something that can be done. There's always something. You know, we all know that we feel better if we have time to sit and eat calmly. And yet, some of my Ayurveda clients might come to me and say, the reality of my life is that I get 20 minutes for lunch or 15 minutes for lunch. And I'm like, okay, great. If that's the reality of your life and that's a non-negotiable right now, could you turn the computer off? while you're sitting at your desk. Could you turn the computer off? Yeah, I could do that. Okay. And then before you get to lunch during the morning, can you drink a little bit more water? So your body is well hydrated and you don't have to drink water with your lunch, which is going to interfere with your digestion. Yeah, I could do that. So there's always something, it doesn't have to be, you know, either I am doing everything right or I'm doing nothing right. Yeah. Also, I think the thing I've discovered through some of your suggestions to me over time is that small adjustments can make a huge difference. Oh, huge. Huge. I mean, we don't need to go into too much detail, but let's just say there have been (laughs) challenges that have come up for me physically where you have been like, remove this from your diet, remove this from your diet, add some of this. And like three days later, I'm like, I'm cured. What? You know what I mean? It's like things that are shocking how quickly 
these like little shifts just because of a, an understanding of if this is out of balance, then we need to bring it back by doing more of this and less of that. It's simple and it's profound. Hey, everybody, save the date for our next live podcast event. This is going to be a good one. This time we are talking about stress. Whoa, it's a big one. The fact is we are all stressed out. Stress has become a normal state of mind, one we all deep down to test, but have also become so accustomed to. What is this level of stress doing to our mind, body, and soul? We experience stress's heavy hand in the form of anxiety, low libido, autoimmune issues, infertility, and an overall sense of disconnection from ourselves and our planet. We seek respite in a myriad of ways, but a deep exhale is hard to come by. As you know, here at the Going Beyond Podcast, we don't run away from the tough stuff. We dive in to seek solutions, to seek connection, and to find our power. They say that the only way out is through, but how exactly do we power through something as massive as our stress level? So here at the Going Beyond Podcast, we are psyched to tell you that our next live event is going to be on February 13th here in New York City at Athleta Flatiron, who were our gracious host at our last successful live event. And we're going to be bringing game changers who are choosing calm over stress, health over breakdown, and tools over helplessness. We're going to be joined by experts, coaches, founders, brilliant individuals who are tackling the myriad of ways that stress is harming us and sharing with us the way that they're reinventing a pathway toward a better life. Gather with us to talk deeply about the realities of our stressed out lives and let's invite in the wisdom of those choosing another path forward. We can't wait for this one. I am so excited and we know it's going to be a game changer event for all of us. If you're curious about our last live podcast event, listen to our audio. It is here on the Going Beyond podcast and I hope it will inspire you to save the date and of course, to get your ticket as soon as they go live. I'm a believer, obviously, and yet what I see in my clients, in my students, in myself regularly blows my mind. You know, two months ago, I didn't feel so great during the day. And by the nighttime, I was like, I've got the flu. Like, I don't get the flu. Like, that's not something that happens to me, you know. But as the night wore on, it got to that place where you feel like the sheets against your skin hurt. I knew I was running a fever. I was stuffed up. I had a terrible headache. Like all the symptoms were there. And I was frantically texting every teacher at Laughing Lotus and saying, hey, can you cover me? I've got these classes tomorrow. I need help. And everyone was like, no, I can't cover you. Feel better. <laughs> I've, I've been there. I know those moments. Yeah. And so I was sitting there, it was 1130 at night. My first class was at noon the next day, which means, you know, getting up to prepare and all of that. 
1130 at night. And I was like, okay, you know that there's things that you can do. So I actually went to my essential oils that night. I rubbed oregano and tea tree on my feet. And then in my water, I took an immunity formula of oils and lemon essential oil in my water. And I drank that. I went to bed. I woke up. My fever was gone. I was completely fine. I went and taught. The only evidence that anything had happened to me was I had a little bit of like a post-nasal drip situation. Other than that, I was completely fine. And it blew my mind. And like I said, like I'm a believer and yet I'm consistently amazed by the medicine that Mother Earth and nature provide for us, you know, consistently. And I want to say one quick thing because of what I said, and that is in terms of taking essential oils internally, I just want to say to your listeners, don't do that unless you know the source of the essential oils and you have somebody who's an expert working with you and having good supplies and all of that. Because I know that sometimes there's different qualities of that and taking something internally when you don't completely know where it's coming from is never a good idea. So I want to say that because I'm always about safety around all of the herbs and medicines and all of that kind of thing. Okay. Thank you. Give us a, just like a real basic overview of the book and like you, so you take all of this ancient knowledge and you're like here to the modern person. Mm -hmm. So I quickly mentioned the word dosha. Dosha is the different combinations of elements and how they play out in us. And the word dosha means fault which I think is interesting because it says it means that if a dosha or an element is so pronounced in us, if it's so strong in us that anyone could see it, then it's actually out of balance. So for instance, say you it's summer in New York City and you're outside running around in the strong heat the whole day, your skin gets red, you're sweating, maybe you start to get a little itchy, a little irritable. All of that fire that is so completely evident in that particular situation would be the first indication of disease. So Ayurveda combines the elements into three different types of constitution, vata, pitta, and kapha. And vata is a combination of wind and ether. Pitta is a combination of water and fire. And kapha is a combination of earth and water. So there is a quiz in the book that says, okay, what is your physical body type? And there's a huge list of questions around that, such as, do you sleep very soundly or do you sleep very lightly? Are you somebody who easily gets constipated or are you somebody who occasionally suffers with some sort of diarrhea or loose stool or something like that. And by the way, another thing just to say to your listeners, and this is in the book too, like Ayurveda talks about poop and natural functions of the body. So Ayurveda must be Jewish. <laughs> yeah. Well, duh, of course. <laughs> because no stone needs to be left unturned and God forbid you have boundaries. No, but yeah. So all this to say, that's a part of the book too, that we don't shy away from any of the natural instincts of the body. And if we think about babies in balance and when they need to sleep, they sleep. And when they need to cry, they cry. And when they are hungry, they eat. And when they're full, they stop. And so, you know, that's the wisdom that we need to get back to 
is that kind of deep listening to their bodies. And babies do it automatically. It's instinctual. We grow up and we learn, we talk ourselves out of it sometimes, you know? So the book is really a way back to practical, useful, everyday actions that we can take based on our constitution that can keep us in a state of health, of holistic health, mind and body and spirit, because it has to be all three. If you, you know, are the fittest person in the gym and you just ran your, you know, half marathon or whatever it is, and you're eating nothing but quinoa and baby kale and all that, and yet you're miserable, then Ayurveda would say you're not, that's not health because happy should go along with that. Contentment should go along with that. Satisfaction should go along with that. Ease of thoughts should, you know, less anxiety better and deeper sleep should go along with all of that. And if it's not, then actually whatever it is that you're doing for your quote unquote health plan isn't healthy for you. So the book, what I really try to do is give the basic theories. What I say, like my top three points are, I'm going right into the book now, like increases like opposite balances, which is what we just mentioned with the yin and yang type of system, that it's not one size fits all, which I briefly mentioned earlier in saying your neighbor might be doing something that makes them feel amazing and you try it and it doesn't feel amazing. Don't talk yourself out of saying this is not the right thing for me. And then I also say it's not a quick fix. And so in the book, I use the example of like, okay, you get a headache and you grab some peppermint essential oil and put it on the back of your neck and drink a little bit more water and perhaps eat, as you mentioned, like some cucumber or some watermelon or some sort of cooling food. And in the moment, that can relieve your headache. But what if on a regular basis, you took small daily actions to not even get the headache in the first place? That's exciting to me because Ayurveda treats the core of what's happening and not just the symptoms. We can work on the symptoms, absolutely. But Along the way, let's do the work. Let's dig in deeper to try to get to the core of why the symptoms even happen in the first place. And that turns me on. That's exciting to me. It is exciting. Yeah. I love it. So the book is just, it gives three different week-long plans that I call kickstarts. And these kickstarts are suggestions for the different constitutions of what you should eat. And there's recipes in there for the different constitutions and some small daily actions that you can take. And I want to stress that, like we've been saying all along, it can be small actions. So the kickstart is not an overhaul because that's not realistic to most of our lives. It would be nice if we could, you know, take a month off and do a reset of some sort, but that's not the reality of our lives. So, the first day of the kickstart could be drink more water and go to bed half an hour earlier. Try that little reset and see what happens. And then the second day, okay, so you're drinking more water and you went to bed a half an hour earlier. Can you also make this for yourself for lunch and maybe take a walk in the afternoon someplace where you can get some fresh air and blue sky and look at trees? And that might be the second day, you know? So it's, I wanna make it doable. I wanna make it accessible and easy and friendly, because I think we can also get into the judgment of, oh, I ate this, it's bad, I'm bad. Or I skipped my spin class, I was bad today. Skipping a spin class is not a moral issue, 
right? So what is some little action that we could take that would promote, well, you didn't make it to spin class, but can you put on your favorite Mary J. Blige song and dance around your apartment for five minutes? Because that's medicine too, as you and I both know. And that's a medicine that we participate in on a regular basis. I love it. It's so practical. It's so attainable because it's all the things that we have at our fingertips. It's the choice to step into it. And I'm super excited to get my copy and like dive into it myself and to sort of use these bits a little bit each day. And I think that's the thing. We get so overwhelmed. And I know particularly a lot of my listeners are these, you know, very high achieving women who are working on improving themselves in every way and being amazing mothers and friends and wives and sisters and daughters and all these things. And it's a lot. And we want to be healthy and we want to be able to perform in our lives. And having the approach that's actually very practical and attainable and subtle can be exactly what the doctor ordered because there's just less judgment, less pressure to that. It's truly the little things. I know I have myself very visceral reactions to things that feel like it just eats more time than I have. And so I welcome that and I encourage everybody to check the book out and to grab a copy because it's having access and that thing that you can just flip to, you know, when you're feeling a certain way or you're curious about something, there's those books that, you know, are in your library and they're your tools. And that's definitely what this book is. So, um, yes, that's for sure. Thank you for saying that. And I also just want to say there's a whole section about like sort of the common issues that can come up and how they fall into the Ayurvedic continuum and what would be some simple remedies for that. So I do address different issues with digestion, different issues with skin stuff that can come up. Ayurveda is really into like, you know, what's going on with your skin because it's kind of like the final frontier and, you know, skin stuff needs to be an inside job and an outside job. We need to change some things inside and outside. I address mood issues. Like if you're feeling a little depressed or if you're feeling a little anxious, here's some suggestions. And it's just like you said, it's just simple, accessible, friendly. It's meant to be kind, kind to ourselves, gentle with ourselves and to have, to create a lifelong commitment to self-care that doesn't feel like a chore. Because you're one of my favorite people and inspire me all the time, I wanted to quickly, before we say goodbye to everybody, take just a couple of minutes to talk about something that matters to you a lot, something you talk about a lot. It's literally a concept branded on your body, (laughs) on your arm tattoo, which is this, this idea that... We all have a purpose on the planet and we all have something that we're meant to do. And as your tattoo says, we all need to go on duty Mm -hmm. and we all have our unique and potent, meaning like our personal impact that we can make on the planet, like is real and is there. And I know you're very passionate about empowering people to step into that. So I just thought maybe you'd want to give a little bit of that loving, encouraging perspective before we start. Yeah. Thank you. So the tattoo on my arm, it says, go on duty. And one of my teachers used to say, God stands for go on duty. So that's where that comes from. 
And again, if that word doesn't resonate with somebody, there's a lot of different words that that can go by. I want to make that as inclusive as possible. What I believe is that we all do have, like you said, a personal gifts and like a blueprint of what is the right path for us. In yoga, we call it, what is your svadharma? Your, so sva is self and dharma is like your work. What are you here to do? And I'm calling it work. And yet, I think a huge part of it is that even though we might, quote unquote, work hard at what we do, just because something is the right path doesn't mean it's going to be easy. In fact, it actually might be very difficult. There might be challenges that come up continuously that have to teach us things, you know. So there is an ancient, ancient yoga sutra that says, you know, cosmic consciousness, God, is the most ancient teacher of teachers, And what I love about that is that it colors my day in a different way. Meaning instead of waking up and thinking to myself, I have to have a good day or I have to have a day where I achieve a lot or I have to have a day where, you know, all these good things happen. That's my goal today. I can just say, hey, what can I learn today? And it flips our perspective into seeing situations a little bit more objectively, especially challenging situations, which, as we know, come up on a regular basis because we don't live in caves and, (laughs) you know, we're out in the world. And I know your listeners are out there and doing their work and doing something that is important to them, that feels vital to them. And I just want to say that when we're doing the work that we're supposed to be doing in this world, it is a service to the world because there is a sense of satisfaction in us. There is a sense of giving that comes from that. When we're really in our zone of what we're supposed to be doing, it serves the world. And so if we can do that and move through the world and try to be kind and respectful of each other along the way, that to me is a successful life. So I think that that's part of it. The go on duty part of it also comes down to like, well, what is our idea of success? And to me, it's like, if you're doing the work that you're meant to do and you've found a way to make it a service and you're moving through the world, trying to be kind and respectful, that is true success. That's what I'm going for. At least that's my idea. What you're doing is so beautiful. And just to see the evolution of what you've created it's so evident that it's what you're supposed to be doing. And I know how much you work at it and how much heart and love and thought and commitment you give to it. And it's so inspiring. And I know it's inspiring to me. I know it's inspiring to your listeners. And that's why you're such a beautiful voice for this community that you've created because you're living exactly what you're talking about. You know, And that's something that I've always loved about you is that you walk the talk. I try. (laughs) You do it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you know, it's funny. I hopped on Facebook Live earlier and I kind of shouted out you. um, And I shouted out my other friend, Deb, who launched her beautiful wellness center up in Armonk, New York yesterday as well. I'll have to show it to you. And I was really just kind of like saying that the greatest gift that we can have is being surrounded by people who are, as you're saying, living their svadharma and living their path. And not that it's always easy, but wow, like iron sharpening iron and celebrating each other. It's something that, I mean, no judgment, but I don't really understand when I hear people saying that, you know, women are jealous of women and their successes. And 
I mean, like, I get it, but I don't feel that. I feel like I want to be around other women who are expanding their knowledge and teaching other people and writing books and opening wellness centers and whatever it is. I want to be around it and I want to celebrate it. And then I want them to celebrate me. And it's just like we keep mirroring off each other and growing together. And like there's just simply there's nothing better in my mind. It's the magic. Yeah. And I agree. We want to be around people who lift us up. And that doesn't mean that we need to fix each other. It means, like you said, like inspiring each other, encouraging each other, supporting each other, celebrating each other. I love that you said that. And really influencing each other to be successful by what we've defined as successful, right? So being kind, being respectful, being of service and doing the work that we're meant to do in this world. And yeah, I don't get the, I've never understood that sort of like, well, in order to make myself feel better, I need to put you down. No, it's the opposite. I will actually level up if I see that you're doing that. Like it's going to, like, it's really super fun to dance alone. It's amazing to be in a group of people dancing together. Maybe that's what we're all doing. Just trying to dance together. I love that. Uh, I think that's a perfect way to end. Mm. I love that. Thank you. That might be a quote on Instagram. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) We've arrived. When it's a quote on Instagram, we're good. I mean, then we know we've hit the jackpot and the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Absolutely. Before we say goodbye, Allie, just really quickly tell everybody where we can follow you, find Mm. you, and find your book. Thank you. Book is on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. Any channel that you get your books from, you will find it there. Randy gave you the name, Modern Ayurveda, Rituals, Recipes, and Remedies for Balance. I teach at Laughing Lotus Yoga Center. I teach at Womb Center downtown, which is kind of a more funky, kind of out there creative yoga. And then I'm just starting to teach at a place called The Well on 15th Street, which is going to be a mind-blowing new addition to the wellness world in New York City. So I encourage your listeners to check that out. My website is alliekramer.com for consultations, for information about retreats or trainings, or my classes, Instagram, Ali Kramer, Facebook, Ali Kramer. <laughs> Basically, it's Ali Kramer. And, All the things. And there's a lot of cute pictures of her dog, Marty Kramer. <laughs> so basically, it's a whole lot of Kramer. thank you my love anyway Allie thank you for sharing so much love and heart and wisdom with me and on this podcast I know everybody enjoy I know everyone loved this conversation I know a lot of good stuff came out of it and that people are going to be able to get something sparked from the things that you gave and I have a feeling that some of you are going to want to know more so Please, if you want to know more, feel free to contact either myself, the Beyond Mom website always has a place where you can send little messages. If you want to reach out to Allie directly, I know she's always welcoming. Reach out and don't hesitate. If there's something in you that feels sparked by this information, a desire for a healthier pathway for yourself, there are ways, there are tools, there are people that love and care about other people and 
want to empower you. So I will leave you with that message. Allie, thank you again for being here. Thank you so, so much. Hey, can I give them some homework? Yeah. All right. For the listeners, I'm giving you one action to do. Tonight, when you get in bed, have a recollection of your day, look over your day, and pick your top three favorite moments from your day. Because our favorite moments in our day are going to give us great clues, great signs of where we're shining. Love it. This was the top moment of my day. So Mine too. I love you so much. I love I'm you. I'm so grateful. Me too. And I'm grateful to my listeners because you guys are starting to give this podcast the love and attention it deserves. And I really appreciate it. And please continue to give the love. If you haven't reviewed or rated this podcast in iTunes, please do so. If you haven't shared it with your friends that you think might also need some love and inspiration, share it with them. We want this podcast to continue its growth and to touch the people that need it the most. And we know that's usually the women that are giving so much in their lives. So thank you for listening today. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Bye.